Murder in the North, Episode 13, Messages from God At the start of 2004, Knutby in Sweden has a population of nearly 900. Many of them belong to the Philadelphia congregation. But this year, the small Pentecostal community is about to lose some of its members. There's a murderer on the loose in the village about an hour's drive north of Stockholm. And it's not the devil getting up to no good. The murderer is a member of the church. You're listening to Murder in the North, a podcast about some of the most shocking murder cases in Scandinavia. Our account of these cases is based on sources in the public domain, including interviews, press releases and court proceedings. Some narrative details were seen as irrelevant to the plot and therefore left out. This podcast series contains scenes of violence that some listeners may find distressing. You're listening to a true story as researched by Jana Argard and told by me, Jenna Sharp. In January 2004, the Swedish village of Knutby is left reeling by a bloody murder. The small Pentecostal congregation that's based there and led by Pastor Helga Fosmo is particularly badly affected. Helga Arnold Fosmo is born in 1971, not far from Knutby, to Norwegian parents. He's the youngest of five children, and even as a little boy, he mesmerizes those around him. He has dark blonde hair, bright blue eyes, and a real way with words. As a young lad, he becomes a born-again Christian and develops a particular interest in the Mission Covenant Church of Sweden, where he's baptized at the age of 11. When he's 17, he meets the love of his life and future spouse, Helen Johansson, who shares his passionate faith. Faith, and in particular Pentecostalism, a movement within the Protestant Church, are central to Helga's life. He establishes a Bible school in Knutby and travels to Estonia, India and Hong Kong as a missionary to spread the Word of God. Helga is a charismatic speaker, delivering controversial sermons about sex and preaching that women in his congregation must obey their husbands without challenging their needs and desires. In Knutby, a small village where everyone knows everyone else, he's one of six pastors. The congregation flock to him as he proclaims the gospel while experiencing religious ecstasy. Sometimes he even speaks in tongues. At home, too, Helga is the undisputed leader. He and Helen marry in 1994. They have three children in five years. Helga has a close relationship with a colleague called Osa Waldau. The two bond over their shared faith. Osa isn't married, but describes herself as engaged to Jesus. It's why she's sometimes referred to as the Bride of Christ. 
Her sermons deal with sin and death, and nearly every Sunday, sex is one of the topics of her rousing speeches. It's Osa who helps Helga and Helene Fosmo find a nanny. They opt for the young, blonde, and blue-eyed Zara Svensson, who, like her family, is deeply religious, and whose admiration for Helga knows no bounds. It's in 1999, in the week before Christmas, that the Fosmo family first find themselves at the center of a tragedy. On the 18th of December, Helga can't find Helene anywhere. When he realizes that the bathroom door is locked, he knocks but gets no response. In the end, he and a neighbor break down the door. Helga discovers his 27-year-old wife dead in the bath. She has a bloody wound on her temple, and the autopsy reveals a high dose of opioid painkillers in her blood. The police rule her death an accident. She must have slipped in the bath, hit her head on the tap and drowned. Within less than 12 months, widower Helga falls in love with Alexandra, who's nine years his junior, and the younger sister of his colleague Osa. They marry in November 2000, and from then on, Alexandra looks after the household and her three stepchildren. Her marriage to the pastor will prove to be brief and unhappy. Helga has a rather volatile temperament, which means that laughter can suddenly turn to rage. In the spring of the following year, Helga becomes seriously ill, and he believes the nanny is the only one who can help him. It's Zara who drives him to the emergency department, and it's Zara who protects him from demons by sleeping with him. Helga is often beset by inner turmoil, and the only way he knows to combat these demons is through sex. In fact, the demons are so powerful that he needs more than one mistress to keep them in check. In the autumn of 2003, Helga also starts an affair with his neighbor. His relationship with the woman next door doesn't stop him from also sleeping with Zara. They still frequently share a bed. The many months during which Zara cared for the ill Helga have forged a strong bond between the two. Helga often talks about God's will and the things Zara must do to please God. Suddenly, Zara starts receiving mysterious text messages from an unknown number. These messages say, among other things, that Helga's wife, Alexandra, must die. Zara receives the messages for months on end, often several times a day. To her, they feel like instructions from God. One morning in early November, she takes a hammer from the toolbox and attacks Alexandra. It's no more than a half-hearted attempt, and Alexandra is able to fight off the blows and escape unharmed. Thinking it was done in a fit of temporary insanity, 
Helga and Alexandra send their nanny back to her hometown of Vagarit to give her a chance to come to her senses. Months pass. Helga spends the night of the 10th of January 2004 in one of his son's rooms. The boy has trouble sleeping. Next door, the neighbor is alone in his bedroom because his wife, Helga's lover, is staying with her parents for the night. But the neighbor wakes up early, just before 5 a.m. There's a knock on the door. Still half asleep, he staggers through the hallway, and when he answers the door, he finds himself staring straight down the barrel of a gun. A masked person shoots him in the face. Seriously injured, he manages to crawl to his phone, dial the emergency number, and explain what's happened. As police and ambulance rush to the scene, screaming sirens break the early morning silence in the village. Helga is woken up by the commotion and sees blue lights flashing outside. The neighbor is a good friend of his. He gets up and goes outside, where he approaches the police to find out what's going on. When his seriously injured neighbor is carried out on a stretcher, Helga decides to accompany him in the ambulance. Two hours later, Helga phones another neighbor from the hospital to ask her to look in on his wife and children. The woman finds Alexandra dead in bed, hit by several bullets. She has been shot in the hip and twice in the head. Thankfully, the children are unharmed. The bed is covered in blood. The shocked neighbor immediately phones the police, who dispatch a special unit to secure the house. The police and emergency services spend all day working in the house and the surrounding area. The police first interview Helga when he arrives at the hospital with his neighbor. A few hours later, they contact him again, this time to inform him that Alexandra has been found in bed, fatally shot. Helga seems remarkably calm when he hears the news. Perhaps these brutal events have left him in a state of shock. The police are fairly confident that former nanny Zara is the perpetrator. The attack on Alexandra a few months earlier certainly seems to point in that direction. Helga also hints that jealousy may have been a motivating factor. When, eventually, Zara is brought in for questioning... She concludes her confession with the following words, I did it, and I did it alone. The circumstances surrounding Alexandra's death are more than a little suspicious. For instance, why did Helga choose to spend that night in his child's room instead of in his own bed next to his wife? The two bloody attacks on the 10th of January also prompt the police to reopen their investigation into the death of Helga's first wife, Helene, five years earlier. The police launch a large-scale investigation, 
and this time they're a lot more thorough. Hoping to come across clues about Helga's motive, they tap both his landline and his mobile phone. It gradually dawns on the investigators that Helga is no ordinary pastor. For instance, he has never made a secret of his many mistresses. It seems that the community has no issues with his high libido, nor with his lack of respect for his marriage vows. Helga is also quite open about the fact that his wife's death is costing him a lot of money. He complains, to anyone who will listen, about the costs of the new bed, mattress and bedding he's going to have to buy, given that his wife's blood has soaked through everything. Later in court, the prosecution will play a fairly unemotional conversation between Helga and the insurance company he contacts shortly after his wife's death to collect her life insurance. Just over two weeks after the shootings on the 28th of January 2004, Helga Fosmo is arrested. The investigation has revealed that for many months, Zara had been receiving mysterious text messages from an unknown number, telling her to kill the Fosmo's neighbors and Alexandra. During questioning, Zara states that these are messages from God passed on to her via an unidentified third party. The text messages speak of murder. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, one of the messages reads. Phone records reveal that the messages were not sent by God, but by Helga Fosmo. Data from mobile masts, giving the time and location of the messages, corresponds with information from Helga's device. The police suspect that the pastor brainwashed the nanny by bombarding her with anonymous messages. They accuse him of being behind Alexandra's murder and the attempted murder of his neighbor. Eventually, Zara admits to having an affair with Helga. She also describes how it all began when Helga got ill. Helga needed me by his side 24 hours a day, seven days a week, she tells the investigators. Every time she tried to leave his sickbed, he'd feel cold chills and become dizzy. Zara's presence would ward off the evil spirits, and Helga explained to her that she'd been sent by God to protect him from the devil. The murders are meticulously planned. Zara buys the gun on the black market in Stockholm after Helga and Alexandra throw her out of the house. The first two times she tries to buy a weapon, she's scammed. But on her third attempt, she manages to acquire a 38 caliber revolver. She's also given a modified exhaust pipe to use as a silencer. Now, she has everything she needs to go back to Knutby. Zara sets off after midnight. With the gun in the boot of the car, she drives to the pastor's house. When she gets there, she sneaks in via the cellar and shoots the sleeping Alexandra, first in the lower abdomen and then twice in the head. At 4.32 a.m., she sends a text message to the number that has been inciting her to murder for months. The message reads, It's done. 
Leaving a bloodbath in the bedroom, Zara moves on to the house next door, where she shoots her second victim in the face. After firing the shots, Zara runs away. She gets into her car and drives back to Stockholm. The police have already set up roadblocks around Stockholm Airport and in other central locations, yet Zara is allowed through. To this day, it remains unclear why, perhaps because she's a young woman and doesn't look like a murderer. Helga denies any involvement whatsoever in the murders and describes them as the act of a deranged woman. But the many text messages show a very different story, and Helga is charged with soliciting the murder of Alexandra and the attempted murder of his neighbour. He's also accused of having murdered his first wife. Zara makes a comprehensive statement and is charged with murder and complicity in murder. On the 18th of May, less than four months after the attacks, the case is brought before the court in Uppsala. The Swedish press is full of detailed articles, with members of the Pentecostal congregation sharing their stories about all the sexual intrigues. The salacious headlines include, Nanny writes porn, pastor demands erotic fiction on his mobile phone. The Philadelphia community is depicted as a cult, and Helga Fosmo as a disciple of the devil. Despite her meticulous planning, Zara Svensson is seen as a victim, as someone who's been manipulated. She's sentenced to an indefinite stay in a psychiatric hospital, from which she is released after six years. Since then, she's had no more dealings with the police and continues to live a devout life. The judges are less forgiving of Helga. They reject his claim that the nanny is an insane and jealous stalker and sentence him to life imprisonment. Both verdicts are upheld later before the appeals court. But Helga refuses to accept the decision and appeals again and again. He ends up taking his case all the way to the European Court of Human Rights with the aim of having it reopened. All of his appeals are rejected. His only success is that his indeterminate sentence is commuted to 24 years in prison. It means that, in theory, he could be released when he has served two-thirds of his term. In a 2006 television interview, Helga admits to being complicit in the murder of his wife, Alexandra, and the attempted murder of his neighbour. The tragedy in 2004 attracts a lot of criticism, both from inside and outside the Pentecostal church. We can't live with such sectarian groups, one of their leading pastors writes. In 2018, when there are only two active members left, the Philadelphia community in Knutby is disbanded. From Podimo, this is Murder in the North. A new episode every week, wherever you get podcasts. And for early access to episodes and to listen ad-free, subscribe to Podimo UK on Apple Podcasts. Podimo.